Hey, I'm Brett Gornick. I'm Jason Lobig. Welcome to the Live Better Podcast. Best day ever. We are coaches, trainers, retreat leaders, and wellness advisors, but didn't start our careers doing this. Jason worked in public accounting, and I worked in corporate retail until starting our dream business in which we help people from all different industries pursue their best day ever every single day. The goal of this podcast is to interview both each other and other professionals making an impact on the world on how wellness is the fuel to do whatever it is in life you want to do better. This podcast is about teaching people to actively pursue their purpose and how to use self-care to do it. We're here to show you how the best day of our mindset is available to anyone at any time, no matter your circumstance. It's your choice and we're here to encourage you. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and even YouTube. You can also listen to our podcast on www.livebetterco.org. Have the best day ever. What up, Live Better fam? It is Jason and Brett here with our guest for the Live Better podcast, Ryan Lockie. We are Excited to have you on. Uh, we were chatting a little bit before about how you found out about us, and it was through a really cool, uh, awesome person that we had on the podcast, um, uh, who his name is Dicky, and he used to run a place that you and I, all three of us, have been to at separate times in our lives, and we were just chatting right before we got on about how we go there in our mind often. Um, that is Madeira's Village uh, in Nicaragua. Uh, I think there's a lot to to gain from the culture of that place, uh, Madeira specifically, as well as uh, Nicaragua. Um, and I think it's a cool thing to be able to meet people that um, have ha- shared those experiences. So Ryan, we're super excited to have you on. Uh, can't wait to chat about wisdom beyond the classroom, uh, meditation, mindfulness, um, youth, all things that we are we are super aligned on. So thanks for taking some time today, Ryan, and we're excited to have you on the show. Absolutely. I am thrilled to be here. And uh, yes, it's very cool that we have that connection with Madeiras and Nicaragua. And uh, yeah, when we're having uh, one of those days, you know what? I close my eyes and I go back there in my mind. It's pretty nice. <laughs> it is It is a great spot. So right now you are in uh, San Francisco um, working on a lot of cool projects. So let's start by what you're working on now and then let's backpedal to, to how you got there. Yeah, absolutely. So recently I just came out with a book called Wisdom Beyond the Classroom. And really when you write a book, it's like, hey, congratulations, you wrote the book. Now you got to figure out how to market it and get it out to the world. So I'm in the process of doing that, uh, which is it's a great experience. It's certainly a learning experience. And it really came about, I was a sixth grade teacher and teaching for five plus years. And when I was doing that, you know, the curriculum is so jam packed with everything throughout the day. And as you probably remember being a student, a lot of that you're wondering, how relevant is this? Am I ever going to use this in the real world? And I thought that as a teacher as well, and I would get that question asked a lot. And my whole thing was, this is great that we're teaching kids about different subjects, but I think it's just as important or if not more important 
that we'd be developing them as a whole person. And so personal development to me, it's a big umbrella uh, way to, to explain it, but personal development to me has always been extremely important. So in my classroom, we'd fit in time to meditate. We'd talk about and do mindfulness. And then on a larger scale, as I had these students, fifth and sixth grade, usually come into my classroom and we had some homeroom time with my sixth grade class, it came to my mind, how can I, what can I do on a bigger, broader scale that's larger than me and just the kids that are coming in here to really tap into personal development? So the idea of that started when I was teaching and yet it wasn't actually until a little bit later when I actually stopped teaching, I haven't been teaching now for a couple of years, that in my own meditation practice, it kind of came to me that, hey, you know, write this book on, on personal development. And that's really how it started. And that, that's a really cool story. And I want to dive into a couple things specifically from there and then get back to the book itself. Um, Jason and I spend a lot of our time teaching those exact principles, mindset, meditation, uh, mindfulness to adults. Um, and through that journey, we realized like, why are we, why are we teaching this to 28 year olds, 35 year olds, 50 year olds? Why aren't these principles that were instilled in us at a young age? So I want you to explain a little bit about how you went about leading those discussions with young kids, um, how you introduce meditation, and how you dealt with some of the challenges. Um, Jason and I go into the Chicago Public Schools all the time, and we teach yoga, mindfulness, meditation, movement, and um, we're most of the time, uh, you know, treated with just so much openness. And you know, it's so cool to see kids just you know sit in their own space and 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 live there. Um, but there are definitely times where you have some kids that aren't into it. Um, and so just kind of talk about how you introduced it. Like what did you bring up and then how receptive were the kids and how did you do that for years? Sure. So those are all great questions. I love to hear that you guys are doing that. That is amazing. So in the beginning with my school, I was fortunate to have a principal that was very open-minded to this and across the hall, the other sixth grade class, my my very very good friend that was a teacher there she was well into it and wanted to also do meditation and we had talked about it and then when it was presented the principal was open to it just as as far as hey you know you have a little bit of this homeroom time in the morning if you can fit it in i'm i'm open to that and so and speaking to the kids about it it was more like hey you know like sometimes we come into school and we're feeling good or we're not feeling good or maybe something happened at home. And so it's really good to, when we're here to get grounded, to get centered and really start off in the best way possible moving forward in the day. And a great way to do that is meditation. And so when I started in talking about it to the kids and then presenting it, it was very simple. You know, it was like, here's meditation it's focusing on something that could be something is something like your breath or maybe a mantra or saying you have 
or it could be, let's say the room was dim and it, there was a candle you wanted to focus on. We focused on our breathing, and in doing that, it was, let's just focus on our breathing, and when thoughts come in, which they're going to happen very, very quickly, that's okay, because we have thousands of thoughts a day, and what we want to do is, if we have that thought, oh, it's okay, we had that thought, don't cling to the thought, you know, you could, you could if you were, let's say you were next to a river or a stream, your thoughts are like that. They're always going, right? And so we want to almost be the observer and not get swept away in that. So when that happens, just come back to your breathing and and then just do that. Just focus on your breathing. And what you do is you learn how to do that a lot better, which is also connected to our emotions because throughout the day, you're going to get caught up in things, right? And, and something outside of you, you're going to want to perhaps react to it and not respond to it. And so doing meditation allows you to come back, get centered, uh, just like mindfulness. And it also is about self-compassion and self-love. And it's a very healing thing to do. So we would start off and just do this for 30 seconds, you know, and then it would progress and it would be a minute, it would be a couple minutes. And then we would start doing some guided meditations, which had to do with some visualizing as well, which was a very nice and fun thing for them to do. Because let's say, let's use, let's use the beach in Madeiras as an example. You could easily start your meditation, get comfortable, get to your breathing, and then imagine yourself on the beach where you feel your, your feet on the sand and imagine it's a sunny day and you hear the, hear the waves. It's a very, you could put yourself somewhere and it's very calm. It's, it grounds you, it centers you, it puts you in a great place for the rest of the day. And then we'd also mix in talking about mindfulness because, Hey, it's not going to be a day at the beach the entire day. Right? So you, you have this ability to come back and connect to your breathing throughout the day, which centers you and grounds you. So the meditation and the mindfulness started off very simple with the students with 30 seconds a minute, and it gradually worked its way up. And it was something that they loved to do. And if we didn't get to it every single day, they were asking about it. So uh, something that I have in my own life as a daily practice, and it's something that I feel very grateful for that I could introduce my students. Was to. there a type of meditation or strategy that they seem to gravitate towards the most? Sure. I, they graduate, they gravitated towards wanting to connect to the breathing, wanting to, to do that. But then they really liked to use the creativity and their imagination with whatever the guided meditation was. So depending on how much time we had, sometimes it would be just simple, connect to your breathing, and it would pretty much stay right there. If we had a few extra minutes, we would do a guided meditation that might take them someplace, that might make them feel a certain way. Uh, it really was about, it was about emotion. It was about feeling and, and if they could do that with their imagination, 
they seem to like that the best. I think that if it's guided, that's that can be something that can be done well and can be done by students, even if they haven't had a lot of experience. But I would also personally recommend that in starting a meditation, you keep it really simple. You know, you connect to your breathing. When your mind wanders off, that's okay. That's normal. And just come back to your breathing and be centered. Within your uh, daily practice, can you talk us through how that's developed? We get the question a lot, and um, we host a lot of first-time meditators. Um, Mm -hmm. And people will say, well, meditation doesn't work for me. I'm not good at meditation. Mm -hmm. We hear those things all the time. Um, So I would just Mm -hmm. love to hear how um, your practice has developed from like literally the first time you sat down on on the mat or outside looked at where you were in in Omaha or wherever it was. Um, Talk (laughs) about how it's developed. And then um, kind of as a second question to that, talk about how you respond to those questions that I'm not good at meditation or that I've never done this or it's not for me. Um, once you kind of talk through your journey. Sure. Good. Really good questions. Thanks for asking that. So for me, I, if you go back years ago, I didn't necessarily have a morning routine and yet I knew it was something that was important. And so I was always interested in meditation, but never had done much with it. And then I had stumbled upon and and did a couple online and I thought the same thing. I was like, man, this is hard to keep your attention. I don't know if I'm doing this right. Like, you know, my mind is, I'm bouncing all over the place with my thoughts. And I then had a friend of mine that told me about Vipassana meditation. I said, what's Vipassana meditation? I've never heard of that. And it's a silent 10 day meditation retreat. I mean, talk about intense, (laughs) talk about, okay, I was like interested in meditation and I was, I heard about this and then I also heard about it from another friend and I'm teaching at the time. So I have an entire summer off and what I found is that Vipassana meditations are not only free, but they're all over the world. And so in this particular year, I had planned on going to Central America for practically the entire summer. And I found that it was going to be taking place in Nicaragua. And I just jumped all in and said, I'm doing it. You know, I, I, it sounds amazing. It sounds difficult. It sounds very long, whatever it is, I'm going to do it. And so I did, it was an amazing experience that was, so you went from like zero to to a hundred really quick. Yeah, I went from zero to 100. I really did. And so I, I, there are things that I do that with where I'm like, I'm just going to be all in. And so I couldn't escape it. I was like, no matter what, I'm not going to leave, even if it's horrible. You know, it's 10 days. I have the 10 days. And every day felt like about a week. It was, it was, it was very long, but it was also one of those things that, just in life, one of the hardest things you might do is one of the best things that you've ever done for yourself when you get to the other side. And so that was six years ago. I've had a daily meditation practice every day since then. Now it's not, usually you you do an hour sit in Vipassana. I wasn't doing an hour sit. I don't do that in the morning. I typically do 
15 or 20 minutes. And what I would say for somebody that says, oh, meditation doesn't work for me. You know, I've, I've tried it and I just can't concentrate. I, I would like to think that almost everybody starts in that place and has that same thought. And it doesn't have to be something that's built up to be really difficult or something you have to master immediately. It's really as simple as just sitting and having some quiet time. You might even think of it as sit for 30 seconds, sit for a minute or two, have some quiet time because that's a nice way for you to just start the day relaxed, quiet. And if you do something as simple as focus on your breathing and your mind wonders immediately, that's okay. You're actually still doing the work. It's not that you're failing at it. There is no gold star for it. That's going to happen for everybody. But the more that you do it, you'll find that it's easier for you to connect with your breathing and not have your mind wander. And when it does wander, that's almost part of the process where you are kind and loving to yourself and you come back without judgment that that just happened. And the practice strengthens. And then from there, you know, you can really find what works best for you. There are, I don't know, hundreds, if not thousands of different types of meditation, whether it's a guided meditation, a visualiz visualization that you do, saying a mantra to yourself, like a transcendental, or it could be your routine of, of stretching or doing yoga. That's, a, that's really a form of, of meditation. Uh, it could be a, a number of things, really, but it's a way to connect to yourself, give yourself some self-healing and self-love, and come back to something as simple as your breathing, which we go throughout our day, and we, it's very easy to not connect with your breath, which is something that we really need to actually do because there's a saying, take a break before you need one. We'll often get caught up in something, and we need to just take a step back and be aware of how we're feeling, connect to our breath, and that's all about mindfulness as well. So meditation is, is also kind of the gateway into mindfulness and, and about really self-healing and connecting to ourself and, and doing the inner work which then will create your outer reality. So for those of you that are starting off, I'd say keep it light, keep it simple, and be kind to yourself. Meditation is something that is for everybody, and it might just take you a little bit just to get into yeah, it. Yeah, when we talk about meditation a lot, people seem to think it is this like reactive tool where I'm gonna meditate after I'm already stressed which for somebody who has a very hard time controlling their headspace anyway is the worst time to try and maybe do that for the first time. Um, right. It's interesting because <laughs> as you suggested, like it is a preventative. It's just about sitting down to do the work. And most people don't think of meditation as a preventative tool. They think about it after the fact. Um, and when you do that, you put a lot of performance anxiety on, well, this is supposed to cure something which is not the case right. sitting down 
is supposed to just allow you the space to shut down before you get stressed, before you're angry, before you're already reactive to your point about not using it to uh, necessarily like solve something in the moment, but it is about sitting down to do the work. It is the break before you need one and consistently having Mm -hmm. that time and space for yourself, whether you're five years old or 50 years old is extremely important. And I think because of that performance anxiety, people who are older tend to want to be good at it right away and they just quit. Mm -hmm. Whereas like kids, so something I continuously learn about learning is like kids are so much more willing to fail. They're willing to just like play Mm -hmm. and try things and experiment and then they just kind of forget about it, like short-term memory of a puppy, rather than this kind of scarring effect as an adult to be like, what do you mean I can't even sit by myself for 10 minutes and just relax? It's like, well, your world's a little heavier than the five-year-old just (laughs) trying to breathe and then hopping off to like learn ABCs. So I think it's interesting Mm -hmm. to think about it as a preventative tool um, and as a long-term practice rather than like an Advil for stress. It's not uh, after the fact patchwork. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. And that's also why I think it's important for us to be teaching this. And I believe that we are. The, what's going on with the world is almost leading us to reflect on, hey, is this how we want things to be happening on an individual level in our schools? And so now this social emotional learning, personal development is something that is coming to the forefront here. And we're going to be seeing more and more of what you're talking about, going in and teaching mindfulness, teaching yoga to kids so that we can use that moving forward in our lives. It's going to make a tremendous difference when many, many people are doing this. And so my thoughts are teach this while kids are young. It's so important. Otherwise, you're, as I, as I tell my students, if you don't, then all of a sudden you're going to wake up or, or many people have had this where they're an adult now and they don't know how to deal with their own stress and their own emotions and their own mind. And these are some of the most important things that we can master. And we might as well work on that as we're, as we're young. How do you think, uh, developmentally um we can get meditation and mindfulness into schools at a young age and then string it together year to year like how do you get the elementary school teachers to talk to the middle school teachers to talk to the high school teachers to actually integrate it into like state programming because i feel like that's You know, that's what's starting to get lost too with all wellness education is kids naturally play, but as we increasingly become more digital and the physical education requirements somehow are becoming more and more relaxed, the progression from start to finish is kind of lost. And Mm -hmm. until it becomes part of actual education curriculum, it's really hard to convince people to get on board and it's really hard to actually develop a meditation practice in a progressive way. Like, you know, in so much as you can actually do that 
But I think how do you how do you think about starting kids off in a very simple way, but then actually progressing them forward? Like where is the where is the lever that states, education systems, school districts, teachers, teachers unions, parents can pull that actually walks a child from early childhood through college into job one with that education as like a real part of curriculum? Well, and if I had just the, the simple answer to that, I think uh, I'd be a billionaire with that. That is a, that is a, that is a great question. And it's something that's going to take a lot of work. The schools now were they're they're teaching to a test, right? They're teaching to the test to make sure that the, that our kids are doing what they're supposed to as far as, you know, you've reached this score, okay, our school is doing great or you know, you're teaching to ACTs or SATs. And so this is something that's harder to evaluate since one kid, okay, how do we test that they're actually uh, meditating and that it's working for them? I think that it's just going to have to be something where on a, whether it's a city or then the county and the state, that we just decide that, hey, you know, our world is moving so quickly now. What is it that we actually need to be teaching in our curriculum? And this is Again, this is coming to the forefront more and more and more, and states are allocating more money to it as well. And so whether it's, I guess, some conglomeratory or some larger um, program that implements it into on a, on a local level and then it just becomes big, and is doing is doing extremely well, where a state takes something on and then our country takes it on. Right now, what's happening is is people such as yourself are coming in and teaching mindfulness, teaching meditation, teaching yoga, and that is happening in certain areas of the country. And so it, it's not until we see this happening enough that it's going to be something where let's call it a, a Google or an Amazon or something says, okay, we have this solution. We found how to do this starting at an early age where we can just have students doing this and we can monitor them throughout their school years and watch the progression of them develop, uh, you know, emotionally and, and completely as a whole person. But I think that's that's got some time. It's not going to happen for a while because that's a hard that's very hard to monitor. And so until then, it's just going to have to be, you know, people doing it as far as like you guys doing it or or me doing it because I'm I'm going in and and teaching mindfulness as well. And so um you know, I wish I had the the quick and easy answer to that. I think that it will happen at some point. Uh, especially when we determine that some of the some of the classes that we have, they're not as relevant in our fast-moving world, but this is something that that is necessary. And so, I think it's probably it's probably some years down the road, um, and what that looks like, I'm not really sure. But with technology, uh, I think it'll be something where 
whether it's the teacher leading it or it's just something where kids put their headphones on and start their morning off with some personal development. I mean, that, that's a very real possibility um, so that somebody wouldn't even have to actually come in. And perhaps the teacher wouldn't have to necessarily, you know, have, have a, a master's degree, if you will, in the subject. Uh, they will just tune in to somebody that, that does that for them. So, yeah, it's like once I don't know once once a, you go mm-hmm. from you know trig class to mindfulness is your second period. That would be a very interesting mm-hmm. thing. Or once like mindfulness is a major at universities, um, I think that I think that you made some really good points there. And I think you know as as we're all going through this together, and as we started out, it's like you know it, it, the question that arises in my head based on what you were saying and where my mind goes is like is like should it be measurable like does it even matter mm-hmm. like are you trying right. to climb this rung of you know mindfulness and i do think that there is some there are some measurables right like you can do right. it you know if you were looking at it saying like you know you fill out a survey at the beginning and the end of the year and saying like are you reacting to things better are you as stressed mm-hmm. like those are the type mm-hmm. of things it's like you know, you don't want to turn it into like, what's your mindfulness score, but it's more like, you know, right. how do you feel? Are you, are you able to react better? But the other side of it that I think is also important to just understand is once that gets better, you're going to perform better on exams. Like you will be better at school, whatever that system is, because you're less anxious. Like you can walk into a test and say, you know what? I have prepared the best I can for this exam. I also now know how to prepare the best I can because I'm more focused and I think that to me is one of the most interesting things about this right now specifically is technology, whatever that is, is advancing at a way faster rate than the human mind can is, is advancing, right? So like the fact that yeah. when, you know, when we were in middle school, we didn't have cell phones and they just like started to kind of become a thing towards the end. And then all of a sudden now, 15 years later, you have a computer that could take you to the moon in your palm all day long, there's a lot more distraction. So I think with that comes the need to be more understanding and mindful for the sole factor of just focus. And it's a big thing that we talk about with people is understanding what focus is. And I was just giving a a corporate talk a a couple of weeks ago about this and saying, okay, you know, we can use a very drastic example, texting and driving. So if you text while you drive, you are at a much higher rate of getting injured because you're not looking at the road and you're hurling down a highway at 70 miles an hour. But then you start to bridge, you start to make that gap smaller and it's like, okay, let's bring it in really tight, like texting while having a conversation. Okay, most people aren't going to get injured, but you're definitely not as focused on either or of those things. So I think when we really think about focus, it's starting to just dive into like doing one thing at a time. And that brings us back to what you said. If you're thinking while you're meditating and you can come back to your breathing, you've now doing one thing at a time. You are just breathing and focusing on just the breath. Then you take that focus to a baseball game or to a test or to a conversation with your mom or your dad or to growing and going through puberty and and seeing your body change. Just to be able to focus and understand those things you're in such a better state and you're also able to remove the distractions, which, you know, you get this, like you're a father. It is, youth is more distracted than they've ever been. 
And so we now hold them to the same standard that we had when we grew up, but we didn't have phones. We didn't have constant media. We didn't have Instagram. We didn't have TikTok. We didn't have all these things. So to think about how important it is to stress that and to really understand that this needs to be happening because of the, the pace in which technology is advancing, this is a really important thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you make a lot of really good points. Now, with it's so easy to be distracted or want to multitask because our brain is, you know, it's all over the place. And what I found with kids and their phones or video games is that the focus was extremely difficult for a lot of my students. I mean, can you imagine, you know, being in the classroom after? You played video games for hours the night before, or you're, you're on your phone. And so then when you have to actually just focus on the person in front of you that's speaking, well, quickly, the, some of the kids are like, oh my gosh, you could just tell that they're, they were going to, you know, they're bored mm-hmm. with it, right? And so as a teacher, you really had to mix things up a lot, and you had to make things very interactive, but this is so important to be teaching the meditation and the mindfulness as far as you know being able to focus and come back and and understand and and be aware of when you're not doing that i think that you make a really good point as well with the phones and texting while you're having a conversation that is something if you think about it i mean it's 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 a pretty, it can be thought of or, or looked at as, as rude by someone and somebody else would be like, ah, you know, it's pretty normal. Right. Yeah. But if you step back and say right now I'm focusing on my phone and, and having a conversation with somebody else and there's somebody right in front of me and I'm not giving them my attention to just have that awareness as well is really important. And so, uh, the first chapter of my book is which is titled what's in what's in it for me is we talk about in the chapter empowering questions and being able to ask yourself questions which are really about being aware and mindful of a situation so uh i don't know if you want me to get get into that at all but essentially we have things that come up in our life that aren't pleasant. We don't want to do them, whether that's in school or whether that's at home or something you have to do in your job. And being able to be aware of how you're feeling, what you're thinking, and then kind of flip that and say, okay, how do I want to feel? You know, how do I want to do this to the best of my ability? How do I want to be present? How do I want to, what kind of attitude would serve me in that way? That all ties in together and that becomes stronger with a practice like mindfulness and meditation. So that focus that you're talking about, it's, it's extremely important and makes you more of a whole person as far as being aware of not only how you're feeling and your surroundings, but just makes it so that you are able to really bring the energy and whatever you're wanting into a situation as well. Yeah. I think that that is, that was, that was very well said. I think, 
you know, I'm just going through my head of, you know, times in which I've done that. And you made a really good point. And I think this is a point in which through my meditation journey and I, and you know, I've been doing it for a while, but I, you know, I still feel like I'm, it's my first time every time I, I get into the space is, is mm-hmm. the understanding of the awareness and being able to sit back and say, right now, I'm doing too many things at once. And just being able to say that, you might still do them all, but the fact that you can just say that to yourself and be like, man, I'm having a conversation with somebody that's near and dear to me, but my phone's vibrating in my pocket and I take it out and I start getting on Instagram while I'm having a conversation. And just being in that moment and saying like, this is not what I should be doing. And then, you know, you start to inch closer to like not letting the phone bother you or like moving the phone to another room um, and being more focused. I think, you know, I think that's a really hard thing for me as a coach is to listen to Mm -hmm. understand versus to listen to like talk back or give give advice. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I really struggle with, you know, I'm hearing somebody speak and I just can't wait to be like, oh my God, I can't wait to tell you something as much as like sitting back and just listening taking time, creating a little bit of space. I was doing a meditation last night that was just really talking about noting um, and pausing and just saying like, wow, mm-hmm. like let somebody speak. And even on this, even doing a podcast is a perfect example. Like letting somebody speak, taking a breath and then going in. It's like, man, that is such a, it's such a hard thing for me. And I think it's hard for a lot of people, but the first step is just that awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. And that pause, that is something that takes practice. Absolutely. So, well, good on you for doing that, especially with the podcast. I'm sure you want to a lot of times jump in. And, but the meditation and mindfulness in general teaches that as well. You learn to more or less respond instead of uh, react to something that's going on in your outer world. Because when you do that internal work, then, you know, it's, it's not just like a knee-jerk reaction. It really is about being able to take things in, observe, and then, you know, respond the way that, I guess, serves you best, might serve others best as well. But it's certainly something that it takes some practice, but it is certainly worth doing. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. One of the things that we love to ask everybody that comes on the show is, is geared around exactly that. Um, our motto at live better is to have the best day ever every single day. And what we really mean by that is creating that day. So, you know, if something happens to you throughout the day, you have the choice on how you respond to it or how you react to it. Um, and I think it's important for all of us to realize that like we can control our reactions. We have the ability, if something happens to us or around us, that we can choose to either say, okay, this is a learning opportunity or this sucks and um, I'm going to be pissed. So we love to ask every guest, yeah. if you could wake up tomorrow and do anything you want, there's no restrictions, you could be anywhere in the world, you can be with anybody, what does uh, Ryan's best day ever look like? Wow. That's a great question. Ooh. So first of all, I, I like to start off my morning, regardless of what I'm going to do, and I, I give you a couple things. I like to you know, take control of my morning and how I'm going to feel and how I'm going to be throughout the day. So uh, no matter what is going to happen, first of all, I'm going to get into my own morning routine, which is 
it's working out my body. It's kind of waking up my body and my mind. It's I'm going to be stretching. I'm going to be working out a little bit. Might be listening to something that's positive. And then I'm also going to meditate. And so from there, I'm going to be completely open and ready for what's to unfold. And so, gosh, I just had a, a birthday a few days ago. And we had a pretty epic day where my wife made me breakfast and we actually went out on a date night, which was, uh, we hadn't done in a while since I have a, a small son, but it, it would probably be something that has to do with being at the beach. We live very close to the beach and, and then we also had a bonfire. So something in nature is something that I would definitely do. And with that and talking about mindfulness meditation, I think that getting out into nature is something that is extremely healing and something we should definitely be doing um, a lot of. And so it would definitely be something that's in nature. I live by, I'm fortunate, I live by the beach, I live by the ocean in Golden Gate Park here in San Francisco, which are places that I frequent often. Um, and then, you know, going back to what you had said, as far as you know, responding and not necessarily reacting, and, and I think an important thing that we need to be doing also is, is our relationship with failure, just that whole concept, which is, is something that we talk about, is something that I write about in the book, is th this growth mindset and the relationship with failure is so important and really ties in with mindfulness and meditation because things aren't always going to go the way you want, but you need to be able to continue to move forward and move forward in a positive way, knowing that, hey, I didn't just make a mistake. I'm actually getting closer to whatever it is that I'm, I'm working on. And so I think that starting your day off with some kind of a routine is extremely important. And then, um, you know, when things come up, understand that, hey, things come up. I'm, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to keep going. And I have the right attitude about it. And that's really going to serve me and, you know, whoever is in my life um, the best. So I don't know if I completely answered your question, but uh, I guess in, in going to exactly what I'd want to do or if I could pick anything, I would, gosh, I'd either just stay in my neighborhood here or I'd fly my family somewhere and, and, and be in a beach somewhere. Yeah, I think that what you, you mentioned is, it, you know, it's a, lot, it's a lot about how you take on the day um, and, and less, less importantly about like the actual things that are done for a lot of people. I think that's a really cool way to, to dive into it because, you know, we can have days that seem very ordinary but there's something beautiful about mm -hmm. the ordinariness of a day when it's done right and it's done with purpose and you're fulfilling your, your path. So that's, I, I love that. Um, yeah. And we're having a lot of these. Yeah. Days, yeah right? We've been in that for the last I five mean, months. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it really is. And I think that pulling out what's important right now is, there are some tough things that have happened, but there's a lot of beautiful things that have happened as well. And, and 
I think that that's mm-hmm. part of it. It's reflecting on, hey, do I like what's going on in my life? Do I like the way I am? Do I like the way that I wake up and, and the attitude I have about myself or, or life? Or, or is there something I want to focus on and give new energy to? And so even in the mundane or the Groundhog Day, you know, there are little things that you can, you can change that then just like the movie Groundhog Day, things start to change and just the attitude uh, of yourself, of, of life and what you have as options can change your whole outlook. And so morning routine, meditation, mindfulness, that all comes together in playing a big part with that. 100%. I think that that's such good insight. And it was really, it was really awesome to, to chat about everything you're working on. Where can people find out about you, your book, and the programs you have going on? Sure. Uh, the book is called Wisdom Beyond the Classroom, and the website is wisdombeyondtheclassroom.com, and the book is available as an ebook. It's available as a paper book or paperback, and I also read it. I narrated it. It's on Audible as well, and so you go to the website, it just clicks through to Amazon, and to get in touch with me, uh, you can do that in a couple of ways. I am the only Ryan Lockie, as far as I know, in the entire world, uh, with the uh, Lockie spelled L-O-C-K-E-E. So I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, and email is support at wisdombeyondtheclassroom.com. So if you have questions, comments, or just want to chat, I I definitely welcome it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Ryan. We really appreciate your time and, and everything you're working on and the, the purpose behind what you're doing. Absolutely. And thank you guys for not only what you're doing in the schools, but your podcasts in general. I've listened to a handful of different episodes you guys have, and you have great guests on, and really just love what you guys are Thanks doing. Thanks so much, Ryan. Have the best day ever. Yeah, absolutely. You too.